1: My name is Drew Burns and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet. While others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, and these are our stories.
2: Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Podcast. Dr. Sonny Spiro. still sitting in for Drew Burns. Uh, looks like this is going to be for a while, uh, according to our last podcast with Drew. And no problem, I'm having fun. Today's guest, I'm really excited. We met online. No, oh, that sounds weird. No, we met on a Facebook post. I'm sorry, that sounded, that was way off color. We met on a Facebook post where she put something up and I said, hey, would you be a guest? And she's like, absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm just spending a little time getting to know her. But let me give you some background. Dr. Lila Streets is a dentist in the beautiful village of Pinehurst, North Carolina. She graduated from Tufts University in Boston, Mass., 2017. Directly commissioned with the U.S. Army in 2017 in the HPSP scholarship program. After nearly five years of military dentistry, she's about to start, open up, open up her startup office this August. So that's exciting. But I do have to give you a little background. She was born in Bosnia, moved out of Bosnia during the war, nine years old, and went went to Germany. And came from the United States when she was nine, excuse me. So there we go. There you go. Welcome, (laughs) Dr. Streets. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. First of all, I do want to say that I've been listening to the fee for service uh, podcast for probably the last three months, just driving to work and back from work. So I'm kind of like starstruck right now.
2: (laughs) Oh, you're you're just a, you're, you're a, you're a podcast junkie. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, we got to get you on a 12-step program. That's all right. So, <laughs> so well, you know, this is, well, that's a nice compliment, by the way. And you're not starstruck. <laughs> you are one of the stars that people are going to learn a lot from today. So tell talk about your story. I want to take you back to where were you were born. Let's talk about that.
0: All right. So I was born in Bosnia in the 80s. And in early 1990s, I don't know how many people can you know, it, but there was the war in Bosnia, the genocide that happened from yes. 92 to 95. Um, In 92, my parents obviously had to fled and we ended up living in Germany for seven years. And then around 1999, uh, we were told, you know, either go back to Bosnia or move somewhere else. And so my parents decided to give me and my two brothers an opportunity to succeed. And so we came to the United States and I've been living here since.
2: I I love what you just said. An opportunity to succeed. Yes. That's, you, you're gonna do great in practice. You got the right attitude <laughs> off, right off the bat. So you were two years old when you left Bosnia?
0: Yeah, two years old. Um, I mean, most of my childhood was spent in Germany. And then
2: how old I were mean, your was, brothers? How old were your brothers when you guys left Bosnia?
0: So, my brother, my older brother is a year and a half older than me. So he was roughly uh three and a half and then my younger brother wasn't even a year old
2: so picture this right just picture this Mm
0: -hmm. a three
2: and a half a two-year-old and a 10-month-old young I talk about a young family and you have young children yourself so you could probably I do yeah and now you're gonna uproot what you've known and obviously when there's a war and that craziness that was good genocide and all that stuff was going on you had to move on for, for fear of you know extinction, really. So you you're gonna take your young family to a country you weren't really familiar with, I'm guessing, right? Was Germany something? Yeah, no. Uh
0: yeah. So they went to Germany. The only relatives we had living close to us were my aunt and her kids. And then over time, I think my uh, the grandparents on my mother's side of the family, they came up and um, we ended up leaving. Germany, and everyone else ended up moving down to Bosnia.
1: The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team.
2: So you come over to this, you live in Germany for seven years. How How is mm-hmm. that adjustment? Is, is it the same language? It's not the same language, is it?
0: completely different so none yep. of us spoke a word of english fortunately germany is the language closest to english so it didn't take me a long time to pick up the language i think it, after a year year and a half of living here i spoke fluently
2: now how about how about from bosnia to germany was that german
0: uh uh the german i don't think was difficult to pick up either just because you know you're young and your brain yeah. is just a sponge, so you pick right. up everything.
2: Yeah, so, yeah.
0: No, I don't, I don't think it was difficult at all.
2: <laughs> so, but when you came, so now you come from Germany to the United States, and uh-huh. like, so you you didn't have. How about your older brother? Was it a little more difficult for him? Uh, what, was it, I, what was the fam, What were the family dynamics? Because that had to be challenging.
0: <laughs> so it was actually very interesting because my parents still to this day speak to me in Bosnian. that's how I understand Bosnian. I always, so my brothers and I, we always spoke back in either German. And then over time, we started to speak more English. So it was, it's still the words, we speak English to them and they speak Bosnian to us. And it's just, that's how we communicate.
2: So you're making me feel pretty small because I speak English. Not great, but I speak English. (laughs) Uh, I speak enough Italian to order a good meal and to Mm. be able to pay for it. And um so I can visit Italy and, and survive. But uh you speak three language fluently. That's pretty amazing. Has that has that come into uh, a benefit for you as as you've noticed through your high school, college, and then on to your military career?
0: One hundred percent, because the United States is filled with immigrants uh-huh. and it's a lot easier to communicate. So some of the staff that works with us right now in the military, they're you know, they're immigrants too. And they're, uh, bilingual. And so whenever they have a tough time explaining things, they use hand gestures and that's how I speak sometimes as well. So if I can't really voice something, I'm like, you know, the thing that does this. And I think it's a lot easier to communicate for sure.
2: Amazing. Amazing. So now you're, let's go back. So now you're here in the United States. So nine, what are you in third, fourth grade? would you say? Fourth grade. Okay. So, what was it like assimilating into the school district?
0: Very difficult. Uh Um, I give props to any child that ends up moving a lot growing up because it was hard and difficult. Just, you know, growing up and seeing different families, having a family and relatives during the holidays. For me, that was always the part that I yearned to have. Uh And, um, Even communicating, people have known each other, like they have friends that grew up with them since birth. And I never was able to build that relationship with someone else. So maybe that was sort of a drive for me to stand out somehow and Mm -hmm. prove myself valuable, if it makes sense. That's Um,
1: interesting.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. How about the community? Were you? When you moved into the Boston area, was there a German co- community? Was there a Bosnian community? Was there some people that you had some common, you know, you know, heritage with that helped soften the, 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 you know, the transition, anything like that?
0: Yes and no. So we came through this immigration program and what they do to newly, like new immigrants who have to go through uh, language training and everything else, just to adjust the lifestyle here, you end up being placed in neighborhoods that aren't really safe for families. Oh. And so, yeah, oh. so for.
2: <laughs> aren't yeah, safe We were... you don't speak the language great yet. I mean, yeah. holy cow, talk about two strikes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to think low income families. So we were in a very low income uh, environment and it kind of, motivated our my parents to kind of just like work and pick up whatever job they can get no matter how much they got paid so my dad would work the third night shift in order to make in order to make time for us during the day and take care of us and then my mom would work daytimes just like regular 9 to 5 um so there was always someone at home with us and then i think after 6 to 9 months of being in this first neighborhood we ended up moving to a slightly safer apartment complex. And then after saving up for maybe two years, my parents ended up buying their house.
1: Okay. So it
0: was just trying to move up the ladder with time.
1: Gotcha. But yeah,
0: no, there was, there was honestly no, there are neighborhoods where it's like mostly Bosnians or mostly Brazilians or, uh, just think of any country, they had their little niches. Um, My parents tried to stay away from that because those tended to be in more dangerous areas of the uh, outskirts of Boston.
2: Gotcha. So at what point, so you said it took you about a year and a half to speak the language fluently. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing you get to middle school, was middle school sixth grade or seventh grade?
0: It was six. So I lived in two different cities. The first city that I lived in was middle school was fifth grade. Wow. And then the one that we moved to, it was sixth through eighth grade.
2: Okay. So, but, at, but at this point, I'm guessing you're speaking the language. Was it a little bit easier now to get your footing?
0: Uh, yeah. Cause I could talk to other children.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: yeah. I just wanted to make friends and that was impossible because I had just left my best friend in Germany and I was just like every other child, just wanting to make friends but you weren't able to verbalize anything. And that kind of you know, sped up the pro- the learning process.
2: Yeah. And you're a girl with two brothers. So you don't really, you know, yeah. you, you don't really have, you know, it's not an estrogen filled house, you know, so that's. No. Not- <laughs> so, so now you're in middle school and does, at what point does the spark for dentistry come about?
0: Not until the end of undergrad.
2: Oh my goodness. Really?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. I'm. Not, I was just. I was just like all over the place. I loved That's art cool. and math. Yeah. So art and math were the two subjects in school where you didn't really have to speak or write something down. Oh and wow. so, yeah. 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 So I excelled in both, and I loved it. And even going to high school, I just loved science and math, and I knew I wanted to do something in that field. But right. not until undergrad, the end of undergrad, after putting my foot down and trying to like get a sense of all sorts of uh, career fields that I know that I want to do dentistry. It was literally a trial and error for me.
2: Was there any person in your life that made that or helped that come about?
0: Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) Both my parents were engineers.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, we're engineers too. I tell my kids. Yeah. Yeah. so, so they didn't say that, but I, I, I'm going to guess though, that education was extremely important to your, to your parents.
0: Yes. So they just wanted us to do as best as we could. And my mom would just push me. So whatever I wanted to pursue, uh, education wise, they were always behind me.
2: What do your brothers do?
0: Um, my older brother does stuff with computer tech, uh-huh. like computer design. My younger brother is a cop.
2: Wow, that's that's so cool. And they just they chose that's their path. But you know, it's so your parents were encouraging, but they were also um also encouraging your independence too. You kind of exactly chose your path. that's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: so it's whatever we wanted to pursue. I mean, they wanted me to kind of step into engineering uh yeah. one year in high school, I think the summer of my junior year. Yeah. I tried out this engineering internship yeah. for. 10th graders, 11th graders for two, three months, and I hated it. That's (laughs) when I knew I did not belong in a cubicle. I did not belong behind a computer 24-7. I just hated that job. I was like, engineering is not for me. I don't want to do anything that includes writing a lot.
2: (laughs) Okay. So, but there was so so how how did dentistry pop up? Why not? Why not uh, medicine? Why not physical therapy? Why not some of the other uh, areas? What, 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 what was the draw to dentistry?
0: So uh, after high school, well, first of all, in high school, I was nominated by my both my chemistry teacher and my phys- physics teacher for a scholarship with the University of Rochester in Rochester, New York. And I was like, I've well, never well, heard of the
2: school. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's not too far from me, yeah.
1: Yeah. So
0: that was one of the three schools I applied to, in addition to BU and Tufts. And I ended up going to Rochester because it was the least expensive. And um, well,
2: that's a statement. <laughs> yes, Rochester ain't cheap. That's a. Statement. It's
0: not. It's not. But it was the least expensive option, and I had that scholarship. Yeah. Scholarship. And. Yeah. Yeah, with the scholarship you had to either do a hard science or a math or engineering major. Sure. Sure. And after my first year of undergrad, I really really loved biology. So I thought I was going into chemistry, changed my mind and said, let's go to biology route. And um so I tried that. I became very interested in fitness and, and nutrition. Uh, my freshman year in undergrad. And I decided, hey, let me, you know, see what nutritional science has Mm -hmm. in store for me. So I tried doing a summer internship again, following the freshman year of undergrad. Again, I hated it. (laughs) Anything research related, I was not a fan, anything that used animal studies, I was not a fan. And not until my junior year of undergrad, where I thought I was maybe going to go the personal training route. Um, Did I, I looked up uh, an article on Yahoo. This sounds really strange, but I saw an article, the most uh, in need professions right now. And that was back in 2005, 2006. And uh, oral pathology was on there. And I was like, what in the world does an oral pathologist do? And how do you get there? And what are the requirements, requirements was dental school? And I was like, you have gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I cannot imagine myself going through grad school after being an undergrad for four years. So I mean, in your late teens, early 20s, that feels like forever. Yep. And after sophomore year going into junior year, I decided my major was going to be microbiology and immunology. Mm -hmm. And I took this post-grad class that you have to do in order to specialize in a biology concentration. And there, uh, they were teaching us about the microflora in your mouth. And I thought that was the most interesting thing in the world, just like oral bacteria. And for senior year, you had to do an independent research project.
2: Oh, your favorite research, your favorite. Oh,
0: yeah you just had to as a biology major you just had to do research and so a semester you so you have so a semester you have to spend time doing research and working with some professor or a mentor and i decided to do it in oral biology and during the whole program i thought the information like the material that they were studying was extremely interesting however i hated being behind a desk pipetting or running our our RNA or uh, DNA samples. And I ended up discussing, like, you know, going back to the office of one of my mentors and asking, I was like, Hey, I like this material. I just don't want to do research. What do you recommend? And she said, well, have you ever thought about dentistry or, you know, working pursuing a dental degree? Because they, both of my mentors had a dental degree but also their PhD in research. And I said, no, I haven't. I really want to consider oral pathology, but I don't know what I can do. And the so after graduating, um, the summer between after uh, my senior year, I decided to shadow a dentist that was that you know worked in one of the shopping centers close by, and I loved what he did. That's when I was like, I think this is it. Just, you know, everything being hands-on. You get to talk to people.
2: You so that's, your, still, that's, your, that's your light bulb moment then, right?
0: That, that's what it was. And everything from like suturing, et cetera. <clears throat> I was like, wow, this is art, but it's also science. And you don't have to pipette or write any papers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was great. <laughs> so that's what I did. I, you know, spent that summer just shadowing him, working, um and studying for the DAT so I can take it the following summer
2: all right so now the the fuse is lit you're gonna go to dental school um how and where, where did you end up going dental school was Tufts
0: it was Tufts after going to Rochester I told myself I will never move away from my family while I'm pursuing a graduate degree because everyone who was from the Rochester area would drive back home on the weekends, see their family, get home cooked meals, get their laundry done, and I was struggling on my own with no car. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm yeah, just going to." Rochester,
2: Rochester is not an easy place to get around without a car. It's a,
0: it's not.
2: Yeah, they call <laughs> it like a tw- just, twenty minute city. Everything's a twenty minute drive. So
0: exactly, I was relying on my roommates or my sweet mates to just like go to the grocery store or. Yeah. Just, I mean, the city itself, there's not too much to do, so it's a good excuse to just study. Um, A
2: lot of of colleges (laughs) in that area, too, though.
0: Lots, lots. So so when you
2: get to Tufts, right, um, did you hit the ground running? Did you feel like you found your spot? How did that feel?
0: Um, It was different. I, in my early 20s, I was a little bit of, you know, all over the place. I hated the idea of still being in school um, just because I had taken a year and a half off to work and just going back to a sit-in-the-classroom environment. I struggled a bit, and the first semester was extremely difficult. It was extremely difficult to me, and being in the city, managing, you know, living. I was still living by myself the first couple of years, and then I moved in with my parents just because of the costs um but everything from the commute to just having to sit down and study all day every day was it, was was it,
2: you, uh, was it the dental school in the combat zone or something because I, I remember interviewing at tufts when i was graduating college and mm-hmm. I was gonna go a year early um and they told me that was they warned me well it's in the combat zone because i when i first drove for my my interview i drove to the tufts campus which was in this gorgeous suburb and they're like, no, this is not here. And it was downtown. It was, uh, you know, yeah. all the triple X movies. It was like, you know, at that point in time in the, in the late eighties where, you know, middle eighties where, you know, that was uh, like 42nd street was a mess that looked like the same thing.
0: No, funny enough. I am from that area where the other uh, Tufts undergrad is.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, it's pretty and early. I,
0: it's it's beautiful. That's that's where I grew up for the most part. But no, Tess, uh downtown was this was before everything was constructed and it bur- like vertically increased. Um, I mean, I just loved the school. It was gorgeous. That that and BU were the only two schools I applied to, and I think I got waitlisted at BU because I was asked them about why the school looked so ugly. Like, where did the money go? I was like you you're probably the most expensive school. Where does all the tuition money go when the clinic looks like this?
2: Oh, there's your art. There's your art background rolling in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't just like straight out reject me. Uh, but I was questions like where is the funds going to go and they're like, "Well, you know, we're constructing a new facility that's going to open around 2017-2018." I was like, "Well, I would be well, graduated done. by then." <laughs>
2: well, you're done. Yeah. It'll be great for so- the next generation. Yeah.
0: But no, it so, was beautiful.
2: So, when you get to, at what point do you get involved with the uh, the army? I'm assuming because you said you had a, a scholarship, right? So, where, yes. where, did, where did where did that take place, and what did that mean as a dental student?
0: So, the whole wanting to join the military actually happened as I was graduating uh, undergrad. I was looking at jobs, and I don't know if you know anything about how the job market was in 07 horrible you could not find you couldn't find a job and i was offered minimum wage at the clinic that i did my um the fourth year research project in so i was offered minimum wage to stay in rochester or just go home and pursue a different job and there was literally nothing on the market for job opportunities and um I lost my train of thought.
2: <laughs> no, no, just you you where did the military part come in? Where oh, yes. So I was looking,
0: yeah, So I was looking to maybe join the Air Force.
2: Okay. And I
0: saw that there were scholarships available for graduate students. So through the Navy, Air Force, or Army. And back then, like I said, I was just all over the place. I thought the Army sounded way better, more hardcore. And when you apply to dental school, you're also supposed to apply for the HPSB scholarship which is the four-year one and so I applied to the scholarship got word that I got accepted as long as I get an admissions letter into Tufts and that's what happened um so again it came down to I needed to go to the least expensive school because I don't have money
2: (laughs) okay so you went to Tufts and you had a you had a four-year scholarship then Yes. So you have so test- for your commitment after that, or how does that work?
0: Yes. So that's how it works. Uh, you're required. So once you start your payback year, you're doing the four-year commitment, and then you're after that, you're also required to do a four-year IRR commitment, which means like you're in ready reserves. If World War III were to happen, there's always a chance that I could be called back into active duty.
2: Gotcha. So that required what 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 was it? Uh, you had to do summers, or did you have to do like like I remember a bunch of my buddies were in, um, the navy, and they did some OIS training in schools and stuff. Yes, they, 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 that wasn't scholarship for them; it just offered them officer status. You know, yeah, so that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: So they have an actually very interesting program where two years out of the year you're required to do some active duty work which never really happened. Uh, The test program was made so you could only go into basic officer training either before the start of dental school or after you finish dental school. But two years, yeah, two years out of the year, you're in active duty status. You're just being a paid active duty pay. You're not required to do anything. Um, I was, I would have, Gone probably before dental school to do the basics officer learning course. Um, However, this is the sad part. Um, I actually had to take physics one after receiving my undergrad degree because I never actually took physics one in college. So it was one of those dental school requirements where they you had to have taken the class Mm -hmm. in order to get admitted. And I had skipped out of physics one, taking AP physics in high school. So I just went straight into physics two. But they made me go back and take that course during that summer.
2: All right. So so you, you fulfill your obligation. You, you graduate. Now, what's it look like when you enter the military?
0: So the first thing you do if you haven't done your basic officer learning course is you go down to San Antonio for six weeks you learn how to be an officer uh you go out to the field for a couple of weeks so you're two weeks without showering um and then you uh, transport to your duty station
2: okay what does that mean duty station
0: so that's where you will you'll be working for the next three to four years so my duty station was fort bragg north carolina um so once you're done with the officer course Granted, things have changed since 2017. There's another three-month requirement that you have to do before you can do the basic officer learning course. Um, but you report to where you're going to be working as a dentist.
2: Okay, so now you are now. What are some of your uh, responsibilities as a dentist in the military? What's what does what does that practice look like? What's, what's here?
0: very different from private practice. Um, so when you start off, luckily my OIC or my officer in charge, who is a dentist running the clinic, mm-hmm. she gave me starting off, I want to say the first month, an hour and a half to do an operative procedure offer being like, dental one school. Filling.
1: yeah,
0: yeah okay. right out of dental school, kind of just like, you know, get your pace up. And then honestly, you pretty much do fill and drill, typical stuff. Um, how and many, then you're how many, assigned- uh,
2: how many operators you got to work on them? Just one. Just one. We, so you got one yeah. operator, one dental assistant?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Dental assistant who changes all the time. So you never have the same dental assistant. It could sometimes be a soldier who never really assists. It really comes down to the staff. Um, I've changed assistants in the past. Granted, I've been in the same clinic for the past five years, which is really unheard of. Like I, I've been getting away with out being PCS or transferred from duty station to duty station. but yeah, you know, you just see maybe one patient an hour. Maybe you get an hour and a half to see a patient.
2: Are you in, um, are, who's in charge of the schedule? Who who determines how the schedule goes?
0: If you've been in there long enough, it's usually the provider, uh, the practice manager, and the officer in charge. So really, it's always variable. And it, it's, a, like I said, completely different from prior practice. You really go at your own pace. and You make sure that the patient safety is the number one thing you're not supposed to do procedures that you're not qualified to do or permitted to do and it could literally be anything based off the based off of the amount of training that you've had
2: so you really can't try something that you know or read or learned about until you've done it how do you how do you get the working experience so
0: so unlike prior practice we have direct contact with a lot of specialists especially Mm -hmm. in Fort Bragg so if there is something you want to learn you can just email another provider let's say an oral surgeon periodontist prosthodontist we had a prosthodontist and a periodontist in our clinics so if you have a patient that needs some sort of requirement you can be like hey uh doctor so-and-so I really want to do this procedure do you mind mentoring me through it
2: so okay, great. That's a great, yeah. great advantage. Oh my goodness. It's
0: huge, huge. Huh. So literally anything you want to try, you go out and reach out to whoever is in charge of a certain department, ask them if it's okay. And if you've done a certain number of procedures, you get credential to do that on your own.
2: So what lights, what lights your fuse? What did you look into? What did you want to do?
0: Um, I was all over the place. <laughs> so as a as a again you said that a few I times tri- by the way. you
2: said that a few trial times trial
0: and error. everything has been trial and error for me even leading up to me wanting to start up my practice um i was originally interested in doing endo Yep. i thought it was cool there was an endo residency on our base so we weren't allowed to do endo on our own unless we wanted to shadow or assist a resident uh so I got curious about endo. I thought about it, thought about it. However, I never ended up pursuing it because if I go through the endo residency, I would not be at Fort Bragg. So now you're looking at the other personal side of my life that prevent that is preventing me from moving around. Um, a year and a half after I got to Fort Bragg, I got married. And my husband is active duty and he is assigned to a unit that does not change duty stations.
2: So let me ask you this though. You, you couldn't yes. say, listen, I've got this, this guy that needs a root canal can mm-hmm. you come over and mentor me and let me do this root canal.
0: You can, you can, depending on who you contact.
2: So did so you really,
0: that? uh, not really.
2: Okay. No. What, what, um, what, what areas did you do that with? What, what special or what, What parts of dentistry, you know, do you want to incorporate in your practice, basically?
0: So that is, I'm glad you asked me this question. Um, So as of maybe a year and a half, two years ago, I got really interested in oral and facial pain. So TMD therapy, sleep appliance therapy, and that is actually what I'll be focusing on in my own practice. So that is where my heart is right now. Mm -hmm. Not endo, not anything else.
2: interesting interesting okay so um <clears throat> you, you're finishing up talk about now your next move which is going to be you want to open up your own place what have you done in preparation i know you listen to a lot of podcasts you said that so what's some yes. of your preparation what's what's your what's your uh, what's your game plan look like
0: so for the past two two and a half years i had been moonlighting of working at different private practices, oh, corporate. Great, yeah, so corporate practices. I mean, you get 30 days off paid leave with the military. Plus, you get your federal holidays and training holidays. So you have a lot of free time or days off where you can, you know, go and work somewhere else. But I've done the whole uh, private practice thing, like working for corporate. I've filled in for other providers who are fee for service practices. Um, I've done a lot of the government assisted programs too. And um, I absolutely hated being an associate in corporate. I like everything from seeing the work that has come back to post. So I wanted to give you a little back, background about this. Our, our patients on military installations have very little access to care. Um, A lot of our patients that we do exams on, we end up referring off post because there aren't enough doctors who can see them in the next two to three months. So we're completely booked out with how many patients we see. And so when we refer patients out and they come back, um, some of the dental work that comes back is less than ideal. Um, I've also seen, yeah, and I've seen other work- down in private practice where patients are literally just a number it's okay whatever I don't care about your complaint you know just give it two months or three months after your Mm -hmm. um guarantee uh, what is it called um after your warranty for that crown is gone just come back then and we'll take a look and we'll probably you know charge you for a new crown or a new filling
1: for a root crown Um,
0: Yeah. Or even a root canal or actually I worked in a practice that was treatment plan for like a patient had a crown near the root canal and a crown. And when you looked at the tooth, there was so much bone loss around that tooth to begin with. I don't understand why it was in treatment plan for a root canal to begin with. That is a tooth with a very, very poor prognosis. <clears throat> but they were trying to maybe milk enough money out of this patient in order, you know, yeah. to go from, Step one, step two. You
2: don't um, think it was a quota, do you? You don't think it was maybe we got to do so many root canals and crowns, do you? Maybe. Yeah. Again, no, it that's was a, not. That's, it, a, that's a definite possibility. I'm just joking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but again, for me, meet requirements, you know.
0: Yeah, for me, I just wanted to do extra dentistry. I love practicing dentistry, so it's like, I don't care what my collection mm-hmm. is, this and that. But when I saw how the patient care was kind of disregarded. I knew that was not my thing. And then when I worked at the fee for service practice, I absolutely loved the kind of relationship providers have with patients or the fact that you can take your time with the patient, just talking, talking them through the procedure, not having to worry about insurances or them asking, well, is this going to be covered? Um, I was like, I found my little little area that I want to like my patient base that I really want to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I did well over a year ago was I looked at all of the dental practices in this Pinehurst area that are fee-for-service practices, and I hand-wrote a letter to every single provider. And I mailed it out, being like, hey, my name is Soso, in a year and a half, I'm going to yeah. get out of the military, I'm looking so for a job time, as eh? an, Yeah, it's like good. as an associate. I have all this training, you know, I've, you know, invested in learning more about like Botox therapy, sleep appliance, fabrication, et cetera, et cetera. If you're looking for someone, can you please answer me back? I'll be happy to get to know you. And I received one letter back out of seven that I sent out. I received one letter back and it was from a young provider who said, Hey, I just started, like, I just bought out this practice. I thank you for your service. Thanks for what you do, and thanks for reaching out. Unfortunately, you know, since I'm doing a startup myself, I'm not looking for another associate provider, and so I was stuck with either moving, which I can't do, or starting my own practice. Mm-hmm. I already, I already got the idea of corporate out of the way. I was like, I'm not going to get myself involved in this. It's a no go. <sighs>
2: Yeah, you've dipped your toe in there. You know what it's about, and, and it's absolutely not for you, and it's not in the patient's best interest, as you've seen, right? So exactly. that makes perfect sense. So the doc that you talked to, that one doc that responded, does have a startup, pretty much, Yes,
0: right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, She's took over another doctor's practice. Oh,
2: no, so it wasn't a startup, so he bought a practice. No,
0: yeah, yeah so, so she she, she just...
2: That's yeah, she just started
0: thing. up. Yeah, she started yeah. up on her own, isn't she? Acquired it maybe less than a year ago, and she just you know wanted to build up her business before she was looking into another associate.
2: Could be a really nice, uh, could be a really nice professional relationship in the future for you guys. So.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, 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 your next step is you. So you've decided I'm going to start my own thing. What's your next step? You start scaping, you know, scoping out locations. What are you
0: doing? Oh man! So this started. March of 2021 so march 2021 after everyone starts going back to work Mm -hmm. um before the whole inflation thing started i started looking at practices for lease or for sale there was nothing absolutely nothing i was stuck with maybe two or three different lease spaces and i ended up looking at one in may and I was like, "Man, this is a great place, great building, beautiful." However, it's small. The space was six hundred, sixteen hundred and fifty, sixteen fifty square feet. So one thousand six hundred fifty square feet in size. And ultimately, I wanted to get something that would potentially hold five operatories. You can't get that with like a thousand six hundred.
2: Um, you you could, but they would minute. be they would be a little bit smaller. That's for sure. It yeah, would super super efficient, but yeah, it'd be tight. Yes. So. So that's not going to work for you. So what what happens?
0: No. And I looked at like mall strip spaces and the the square foot, like the lease was expensive. And I was like, well, this isn't going to happen. Or things were right next to a barbecue joint. I was like, this isn't going to happen. And so around August timeframe, right before I had my daughter, uh, I went back into, like, I looked back at the space that was a 1600 50 square feet. And I said, this is gonna be it. <laughs> so I was like, let's go with this space. It has gorgeous, beautiful big windows. And it's in a beautiful area area where there are a lot of medical facilities. And it's less than a mile from my current home. And you, um
2: have you done any demographic studies? Like, you know,
0: I did. Well, great. I did. I really I did the You've whole thing. Homework. Yeah. I've done my homework and this area is beyond saturated with dental providers. However, the area is also growing significantly with the popula- like the population size just growing. Yep. Um the de- like the growth here has been at least 14% annually. And that's a lot.
2: Are you going to put a putting green in your in your reception area because you're in the, the golf mecca of, of the United States? I mean, you're going to have a little no, 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 uh-uh, area. No. Like that.
0: <laughs> no, I feel like every other dental practice does something golf themed. <laughs> my goal, my goal is far from that. You're yeah, just yeah, you working. Know what?
2: Be unique, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Um What I want to shoot for is a practice that's relaxing. It's zen. And a place where people might feel like they're walking into a spa instead of an actual dental practice. The one big thing that helped me being the military is that I my clinic in particular um, treats a lot of special forces soldiers, and a lot of them have a lot of you know psychological related problems in addition to dental mm-hmm. and. The number one thing is no one wants to be in a dental office. It doesn't feel comfortable. They feel like every dentist is, you know, this evil person who's just going to yank teeth out all day or put them in pain. And this is also where my love for oral and facial pain started to, Mm -hmm. you know, started. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just the population that I was treating. Yeah, you, really you, influenced everything else
2: that type of practice what you're talking about especially when you use the word zen i don't think you need five yeah. rooms
0: no no i'm sticking to four i don't you think get I'm away gonna,
2: with three with what you're talking I could, about, yeah you
0: know, i could get away with three or four
2: <laughs> you're going to be very doctor-centered practice and you know a lot of and so probably your space and your openness and you know that kind of stuff is going to be really essential in your design who's helping <laughs> you with your design
0: So I reached out. So my lending bank gave me a list of references. These are reliable sources around where you live. So one of them was Henry Schein. Um, I, I started talking to them and I asked them like, hey, do you have a good reference for an architect? And then the architect company that I decided to work with, I asked them like, hey, do you have a set of references with general contractors that you've had a good time working with i've been doing everything based off of direct referrals i was mm-hmm. like give me your best referrals i of like your top two three i'll reach out to them and whoever was the best at communicating with me ended up getting the job that was my biggest thing like communication i have way too much going on where i don't want to bug someone 24 7 and there were definitely some architects or uh construct contractors who would take their time answering
2: um so how, how, how far along are you then in the process then
0: we're looking at august still so august of last year
2: no so no while how, I was, far, how far along i mean you've already rented the space have you already started construction i mean how far along oh,
0: no so the space that i found was an empty shell space it was open to you can do anything you want to as long that's as you fit. that's perfect sit. It's per it was perfect. Um yeah, that's
2: perfect because you don't want walls and you you know you because your biggest issues are you know typically plumbing, electrical, all that stuff's got to be done.
0: Exactly. Uh so around that time frame, I was expecting things to go a lot faster. So when the architects told me, you yeah, know, it's gonna take roughly nine to ten weeks to get the plans done, and then you're looking at, you know two to four weeks for permits, blah, blah, blah. I was starting to sweat. I was like, man, dude, will I have enough time for construction and everything? And I still haven't had a lease in place. Like I was negotiating a lease from August until December. That same space took four months because you're also working with attorneys who are constantly busy. Um, you're working with Henry Shine, like other companies in regards to like equipment orders and trying to figure out like hey we need to order this and then you also have the bank which has certain requirements you in order for you to meet before a certain number of funds is distributed so that whole aspect doing everything at once was very very difficult um nothing was aligned in a timely manner so before i got i had to like use up a lot of my own funds in order to start the project and pay for my attorney or put a deposit down in order to go on to step two and then equipment orders had to be done 35 weeks prior to installation so i had to order all my large equipment back in november for it to be ready for it to be installed in june it's been that kind of mess <laughs>
2: So, so do you do you have a, a floor plan already? I mean, you have all that stuff.
0: Yes, yes. So the floor plan was designed by the architect company, and then they worked with Henry Shine in order to make sure the final floor plan uh, could fit the space. And then the contractor has to go through all the permitting. And so if something does like if something gets an X by the city, we have to go back and readjust the plans.
2: Yep. Here's the only advice I can give you. have done this multiple, multiple, multiple times from a mm-hmm. flat block, nothing to let's reconfigure the space to et cetera, et cetera. So we've done this in five different locations. So my advice is always think flexibility. Oh yes. Because what you what you may think and need, you seem to have right now. A year after you're in there, you might say, you know, this might be better if I could put my carts here. And and recon you know so so just keep that just keep that in mind and you might find that there's some other ways to do things but you're well on your way so that this is awesome so your floor plan is done your contractors have been hired from what it sounds like mm-hmm. have you borrowed enough for operating expenses or anything like that on top of this initial startup costs I hope so Okay.
0: I had to re I had to reapply for a higher loan
2: mm-hmm. i mean
0: this is all loan money
2: yeah. um yeah. yeah i know yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i asked for more i tried to do as many calculations as possible i did get a really nice ti allowance from the landlord mm-hmm. so that's going to go into the plumbing so that can cover the plumbing at least mm-hmm. and um i've worked very very diligently with the contractor and he's so understanding what's trying to minimize costs and making everything more efficient. His view is what can get you through the next three to five years for you to start working. And then if there's anything fancy or bougie you want to put in place later on, there's that flexibility to go in there and readjust it if needed. Mm -hmm. So we're starting off small with the possibility of upgrading if needed in a few years
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's how we're going to keep the initial cost down
2: there you go yeah but i think a lot of people when they do startups what i've what i've been told and i've seen a couple people is they borrow enough to do because you're so focused on that physical plant that you mm-hmm. forget you're going to need some working capital because when you start you don't have a body in the chair yet So you have have no income coming in and you have expenses going out that you're well aware of and you have a number on that. And, you know, are you, are you marketing? Are you, are you, what are you doing to get the practice going? What, What are you, what are you using to pay your staff? You know, what are you using to do? That's your working capital part. And a lot of people miscalculate that. So, um, I'm sure you haven't, but I'm sure you think about all that stuff. So, oh Yeah. So, no, so, I've been mar- so, huh? so what are some of the things that you want to make sure are in your practice?
0: Number one thing, all the equipment that I need. Uh, number one thing is definitely so my practice is going to be 100% digital. Everything okay. is going to be digital. I have a small space that I have to work with. So, just making sure that I have a scanner, that I have an X-ray unit that works. I definitely invested in a CBCT Pan Osef machine. Um, so like my the equipment is my number one priority. Mm-hmm. Number two priorities having at least two chairs that I can use. I will have three spaces that you know would be that are going to be plumbed out, but I'm not looking at doing anything with that just yet. Um and but you're, look, start you're off, looking
2: at having two fully equipped operators, what you just said. Exactly.
0: Right? Okay. Exactly. I just need two at least. Um Even though I want my practice to eventually be more TMJ therapy, sleep appliance, therapy type practice and oral and facial pain diagnosis, et cetera. um, Starting off in order to get patients, I'm going to rely on the military community here. And so they need a lot of operative done and a lot of cross. And I know how much work we send off post from the clinic that I just work in. And there are six clinics on Fort Bragg. And so I'm trying to recruit some sort of patient work, even though it's going to be, that part is going to be in network. So I will start off in network with just two insurance companies. I'm just trying to get some, like some, uh patients through the door and then go from there so, so i mean besides that there's nothing specific in the clinic itself that besides the standard uh mm-hmm. that i'm gonna try and like
2: have you, start have, off you with. have you written down your one year three year five year goals
0: my one year goal is to oh, not yeah, i heard be that breath life.
2: i heard that breath so me <laughs> Don't don't no, don't take. I, I'm not putting. Trust me, I'm not putting you up against the wall in the firing line. And you have yeah. you know, one last request. Just just in, in general, they don't have to be written down. But I mean, do you have some thoughts on on those? Because sometimes yes. we get so caught up in the trees, we forget to forest. You know. So yes, talk a little bit about have you have you done that?
0: Yes, yeah, So I definitely plan for what I want to do in one, three, and five years. For the first year, I just want to make sure that I can pay off all my debt. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's which why I've been well, moved- which is why
2: you're starting to network and which is why you're doing this with the military. Exactly.
0: Huh? I honestly I think I might stay in network with the VA and DOD and United Concordia for a long period of time just because I myself will be a veteran. I have a huge heart for the soldiers around this area and there are a lot of military families here. Mm-hmm. I just love treating soldiers. I love treating veterans. I love treating military families because they have it extremely difficult it's extremely difficult for them to get some sort of proper care even I hate to say this even on a military installation we're actively, ignoring their care if let that makes ask, sense
2: no i I get that but let me ask you this because that you just painted a completely different picture from a fee for service Zen practice that's focused on sleep medicine and so, and TMJ and all that, That's, there's two different, you know, there's two, you know, this is a, there's two different mm-hmm. windows here now, right? So let me ask you this, what is the fee reimbursement schedule? And I I know what I've seen, but what is the fee reimbursement schedule on those plans?
0: Absolutely horrible. It's like maybe 34 to
2: 43%. Can you, can it's... you survive on that? I mean, I understand your heart and your nature, trust me, mm-hmm. right? But you're going to be a business person. Exactly. You have, you, have, you have to have a business. And can you survive on giving back sixty or seventy percent of what you just did to to wh- whoever it is? But can you survive on the so if there's, so if something is a hundred dollar fee, mm-hmm. and you're gonna get thirty or forty dollars for that, I get it, pay the bills, but can you really pay the bills?
0: I hope so. So even though I will be accepting patients who do who need like some sort of uh, like just like exams or restorative work or crowns, that will be like my charitable work starting off as well. However, I'm also going to do Botox treatment, filler treatment. I'm going to uh, the demographics here. uh, The mean age in Pinehurst, Southern Pines is 59. Most people don't have insurance. A lot of dental practices around here don't do TMJ therapy. The closest place you're going to find TMJ therapy to this area is 65 miles away, and that's out in Raleigh. And most practices are not in network unless they're in network with medical insurances. Um, And a lot of fee-for-service practices here. I'm going to try and build relationship with the fee-for-service providers who just do general dentistry to forward me, um, or refer me patients who need TMJ related, uh, management or, you know, some sort of other treatment. So I will be gearing towards, I want to attract and give military families another place to go besides some sort of corporate dental practice, because that's literally, that's all that's available for them. But I'm also trying to recruit patients who go see a different provider, but they don't offer certain services there. So I'm going to do specialty type work as a general dentist.
2: You've got your work cut out for you, sister.
0: I do. And I got time. It sounds like I don't, but I have a lot of time that I'm taking advantage of with separating from the military and the start of this practice.
2: Well, I just, it's just, it's just, you you just painted two completely different pictures. Man. I did. That's why I asked you about the one, three and five. Do you feel that after, you know, three years or five years, you're going to migrate away from taking care of the military? Or are you going to do the military, let's say one day a week and consider it charitable, which is what I would start to have yeah. think about because I think, yeah. think like a business person say I'm doing this as charity, not really as a business. But you can't solve all those problems. The reason they probably go to those corporate offices is because corporate offices run on, you know, fumes. So, yeah. so, or pretend to, I don't know how they do it either, but you, well, you know how they do it. They do, they do schlock work, right? And they just, mm-hmm. you know, they, they schlep them in and schlep them out. They don't care because they're not getting paid properly. Exactly. But, yeah. at, at, you know, ethics be damned too. So, uh, you know, got God, you got a great heart. You have actually a pure heart. God bless you. Um, you got some, cha- <laughs> there's some challenges ahead. I would love to love to hear what some other folks would, would advise you to, especially some of our brothers and sisters here on the, the fee for service group. So well, here's
0: the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. As long as I can pay my bills, I am happy. Some people are motivated to grow and expand financially. I'm just happy to work in an environment where I'm doing the proper dentistry, where I'm, you know, making someone's life happier or extending their lifespan. I just don't want to work in a miserable environment, raising two kids as well. And with the husband who's deploying every other year. And yeah, that's my motivation is just to be able to survive and not worry about things. You have to look at like where I came from. I came from a minimal lifestyle. Yeah. And it does not take a lot for me to just be satisfied with life. So as long as I'm doing my thing, Hey, if it grows, I would love to expand my practice if I can, and maybe hire an associate, if they're interested in doing the kind of treatment I want to do. Ultimately, I will stop referrals straight from military installations because they don't pay anything, but I don't think I would ever stop treatment for anyone who is a veteran through the VA or through TRICARE, mind you, this would be medical insurance, not dental insurance too. Um, But everyone else, I would definitely try to just stick to fee for service and offer the membership plans, especially for anyone who wants aesthetic treatments as well. Um, You can definitely motivate a lot of patients in this area to come in for aesthetic work and be like hey you know since you're already here for your exam or since you're already getting a night appliance nighttime appliance maybe it would help you to get some botox treatment or fillers in order to you know lift up your cheeks a little bit and i don't just for uh appliance stability if
2: what,
1: you, you what, can
0: yeah
2: at what point do you look at hiring your team
0: i have actually been already reaching out to a few of the universities here or colleges that train dental assistants. I want a fresh mind someone who's not been working forever in a regular practice because I will be spending probably at least a week or two training everyone up to the standard that I expect. Since everything is digital, I don't know what dental assistant schools do teach. I've asked them like, do you do any sort of digital work? They're like, no, we just, you know, learn how to take analog impressions. We do a little bit of front desk work. But more of their training comes from doing externships. Uh, so I want some fresh body, someone who has a lot of energy, someone who wants to be part of a practice where they're going to play a huge impact on someone's uh, medical well-being.
2: You could also look right out. At outside of dental assisting schools and just hire someone with zero experience we've
0: oh yeah i was i was actually i was at a restaurant yesterday and our server she has yeah. phenomenal customer service i would love to hire her for front desk yeah <laughs> absolutely love to she is personable she was upbeat energetic someone who might be more enthusiastic about answering phone calls than I would be. I'm an extrovert or introvert. <laughs> I don't like to constantly be in someone's face or be answering the phone all the time. I would rather treat by doing work. Um, but just someone with a more outgoing personality for a front desk or an assistant who's just willing to help someone out and be you know, courteous and take their time to get stuff done. That would be ideal, but Mm -hmm. fresh, fresh minds, fresh energy, no expectations from previous practices. So if someone tries to say like, well, at our previous dental office, we did this and this and that. I was like, well, that's not this environment. We are a completely different environment Mm -hmm. where when someone complains about pain and is still in pain and can't figure out what's wrong, we take our time to really narrow down what the source of the problem is. We do take our time talking to other providers about um, what kind of medical, you know, medical. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say problems, but conditions, conditions. they're treating. Um, so our treatment makes more sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Do new North Carolina dental assistants have to be licensed?
0: Yes. So there are two dental assistant, well, sort of licenses that uh, you can have. There's like a DA1, DA2, and I think one where you require more like a formal licensing test. Mm -hmm. Uh, DA2s are more advanced where they can take impressions for you without you having to be in the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, DA1 can do regular stuff.
2: Does it have it's to like, be formal education or can they get that through mm-hmm. OJT?
0: I have no clue. I haven't looked into that.
2: You should, because if that server is so dynamite, she could be your dental assistant.
0: That would be awesome. But I, I don't know if she would want to. I Sometimes mean, I've never I, I, asked. <laughs> no,
2: I, I, just as an example, though, but if you have that, that click and that connection and you see uh-huh. that person and you, you know, oh my God, she's great with her hand, you know, blah, 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 with people and I want her chair side and, you know, et cetera. Okay can she get licensed to provide the things that you're going to want and need in your practice as an assistant, Mm -hmm. or does she have to go to school?
0: I would have to look into that. I know you have to be licensed to take Mm x-rays. That's like Yeah. Besides that, I honestly have not looked into it. I just recently started to look more into what a DA1, DA2 does, because like I said, I've been in the military. Our assistants have certifications and training from everywhere some can come straight from the blue cross i mean not blue cross red cross training program and start off assisting and you kind of train them up
2: do you mind if i put your i'm definitely going to put it in the show notes but i want to put your contact and i would invite any dentists any of the fee-for-service group people who have any thoughts or advice to reach out to you and send you a note or an email and encouragement and also maybe some Ideas, because uh, I, I just love your enthusiasm and your outlook, and and uh, I'm 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 uplifted by it. So I'm really excited <laughs> for it. I can't wait to have you back on like a couple more times, and just a hey, where are we at? How are things going? And just kind of an update, and and because I'm really curious to see where things go, and I'd love to know how things move through the through the future. And you know, it's great when you see your vision happen. It really is and, and it starts to come to fruition and and you're living it and you know think about it we're in late february that's when this is being recorded march is going to roll through and pretty soon april may and you're boom you're you know august is going to be here before you blink an eye you know so oh
0: yeah
2: and those kids no. they keep getting older and they keep changing and and and, and you're going to have these moments where oh my goodness i opened my practice and my youngest started walking and you're 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 going to have these these monumental things happen and all in this short span of time, which is a forever thing going forward. So I'm yes. so excited for you. I really am.
0: Oh, no, I'm expecting for things to constantly change. That's been the story of my life the past year, from just looking at buildings and thinking about opening up a practice to, actually getting closer and closer to construction time and opening time things have just constantly been evolving and i could mm-hmm. use all the input i can i mean the whole podcast has definitely opened my eyes into looking into certain programs or mm-hmm. i think there was one that mentioned watching hospital hospitality training videos there are quite a few that are for free online yeah. just teaching your team hospitality mm-hmm. um Customer service, just mm-hmm. the way you even present a treatment plan. I was like, I, that has never even crossed my mind because from working in corporate and working in the military, it's just like, quick, 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 hurry up, get this over with. I have honestly been taking my time to just listen to patients recently mm-hmm. and letting them speak, even though my the RDH or FDA EFDA wants me out of the room ASAP. I've just you know you know what no this is their time to actually see me and i'm going to make my like ensure them that they at least have a follow-up with me
2: i could tell your military because everything are these initials asap f <laughs> yeah. psp and psc and all the other ones you because the military has all these right it's pdq and,
0: acronyms uh, yeah acronyms uh, all over the
2: place mre and you know like all this kind of stuff so i just it just it just hit me right there i was like yeah she's got it she's got it all. Um so, so let's, uh, let's get ready to wrap. I do want to, I do want to mm-hmm. suggest one thing. Yes. You're talking about your TMJ, your, your oral facial pain. Your, it's kind of almost more medical. I think you really want to make sure that you are connected to the medical community.
0: Yes, all I am. Those people.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how much dentists will refer until they, till they break the ice initially, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're someone that can help solve patients problems. And you're also seeing patients that fall in that, that net. Okay, well, it's not this, it's not that, what is it? It's not this, it's mm-hmm. not that, what is it? So I think you've got to educate, you know, those folks. And then once you've got some folks and start getting success, you got to make sure that that becomes the, the cornerstone or the bottom of the pyramid that you build up from. So Oh, yeah, you got a lot of a lot of of funny. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's actually funny. At my daughter's last uh, four month checkup, there Mm -hmm. was a neurologist who was shadowing the pediatric dentist, because he had to like, see how the whole system works. Mm -hmm. And he started talking about sleep apnea. He's like, well, how do I put in prescription orders for my patients who have sleep apnea? I was like, Oh, are you, you know, do you do stuff with sleep apnea? He's like, yeah, I'm a neurologist at blah, blah, blah clinic. I was like, well, I'm looking to start my practice soon. I am, you know, taking an exam this summer to get, you know, diplomate status with the American Board of Dental Sleep Medicine. And this is, you know, what I really want to see. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh man, I got referrals for days. Mm-hmm. And so I've definitely looked into the whole medical connections. There is a sleep study, like sleep study center really close by. I mean, everything that I've done so far in regards to marketing and referrals have been like word of mouth referrals.
2: Well, the next step I think is going to be managing your schedule, setting your schedule for (laughs) success, because you want to make sure that to me, you have two practices in one. And I think you got it's very hard. It's very hard, especially for your team, it might be very hard to, to play both sides of that fence. So
0: yeah, we'll see how it goes. I know I have so many connections with military families here, and everyone's just been asking me when's your practice gonna open? When's yep. your practice gonna go? <laughs> so it'll be interesting. I need something to start off, but over time, like the three-year mark, I'm definitely going to just narrow it down to uh, special specialty work.
2: Okay, well, you, you, with that in mind, right? You're starting off with yes. the end of mine. That's that's a Stephen Covey yes. principle, right? Start with the end of mine. So Okay so our last question if you listen to our podcast you probably heard this a few times so Oh yeah. If you could go anywhere any place anytime where would you go and why?
0: So I've thought about this one cuz I'm always like, oh, I wonder where.
2: You're thing. As long
0: as I as long as I can come back into the present it would honestly be bosnia or former yugoslavia in the 1980s because my parents always raved about how amazing it was it was pretty much like the world power um back in the 80s and 70s so i'm curious to see what they said they so loved about the nation before it kind of changed in the late 80s early
2: 90s that's so personal that's so cool yeah Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough. Uh, we'll put in the show notes, but I want to say if people do want to reach out and you're just listening and driving, remember it's Leela Streets, but Leela is spelled L-E-J-L-A. L-E-J-L-A streets, like streets that you drive on at Gmail. So do you like me, sonny Spirit Gmail? Just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Keep Lela it. Leela <laughs> Streets at <laughs> Gmail, right? Yeah. And that's smart enough to do anything else, my boy. Yeah. And All if right. anyone,
0: so, yeah, and if anyone wants to, you know, reach out to me via Instagram. I do have an Instagram page that you know I've been using to market. It's smiles underscore in underscore the T-H-E underscore pines. So smiles in the pines.
2: Okay, so smiles in the pines with underscores between the words. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Send me that so I can put that in the show notes too. Okay. Will do. <laughs> Have a great one. Stay in touch. You Happy too. To help, Thank however you. I can. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye.
2: Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and MembershipMasterCourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit DentalFinancingDirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.